Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Israel's two Palestinian fronts at its center in Jerusalem and the West Bank and in the southern west in Gaza have been relatively quiet over the last two weeks, save for the occasional terror attack or incident. But danger seems to lurk in the north, including in Syria, where Iran proactively seeks to entrench militarily, and Lebanon, where the Iranian proxy Hezbollah is determined to claim its position as the country's arbiter. Which of the two are more severe, and are we to expect a possible conflict in the near-to-medium future? Joining our discussion today, all the way from northern Israel, is Major General in Reserve Gilshon Cohen, who is a former IDF Army Corps commander. Thank you for joining us, General. Thank you. Also joining us from elsewhere here in Jerusalem is Dr. Neil Bohms, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for also joining us, Dr. Bohms. And with me in the studio is, uh, of course, our TV7 editor-at-large and host of Watchmen Talk, Powers and Play, and so much more, Amir Oren. Amir, uh, could you please provide us with an overview, if you will, uh, an assessment of Israel's northern front, and uh, which of the two, Lebanon or Syria, uh, is more of a danger these days to the state of Israel? You know, Jonathan, uh, uh, we've uh, shown... Uh, one of our pictures here uh, for this program had uh, Hassan Nasrallah, the leader of uh, Hezbollah, along with uh, Chief of Staff, uh, Lieutenant General Aviv Kohavi, and we have it. And um, Nasrallah has been in power for the last 30 years. Kohavi is the ninth Chief of Staff of the IDF that um, uh, Nasrallah has seen come and go. And uh, very soon he will have his 10th chief of staff. And he still remains in his his bunker. Yes. For for more than a half of this uh, period of three decades, he has been hiding in his bunker. And part of the reason for his longevity is that he knows how not to provoke Israel. So one has to distinguish between the very militant words that uh, he is uh, pronouncing um, once in a while, including recently regarding the maritime uh, boundary between uh, uh, Israel and Lebanon. And as you said, the reason is um, above all that Hezbollah wants to have uh, a say about uh, what is happening uh, within Lebanon. Now, uh, Nasrallah has managed to deter Israel from undertaking certain military actions within Lebanon and even against Lebanese persons outside of Lebanon. Israel has been very careful not to kill any Hezbollah uh, emissary or uh, fighter in Syria. Um, You can see that uh, in all of the uh, reported Israeli raids in Syria, uh, none of the Hezbollah people there uh, was hurt and um, it was deliberate. Uh, Within Syria, of course, Israel has been fighting Iran and its uh, proxies, the uh, Shiite militias, but also Israel has been very careful not to uh, have any friction with the Russian forces there. Only recently, a few days ago, we have seen the drone attack 
on the American and uh, Syrian Democratic Forces garrison at Atanf, which is, uh, of course, um, between... The so-called Green Village. Yes, between Iraq, Syria, and Jordan. But this is uh, probably a part from the general campaign uh, which is being undertaken there. Plenty of complexities. Uh, nevertheless, we would like also to hear our distinguished guests, uh, including uh, General uh, Cohen. Uh, you also have uh, had uh, quite the uh, uh, vision uh, for Israel's defenses on the north and, and beyond. Uh, could you provide us insight? What should be uh, considered today, uh, in your view, uh, the most challenging um, element or threat to the state of Israel? First of all, I agree with what was just summarized by Amir. And the main question is how we can uh, go ahead with understanding Hezbollah and Nasrallah threatening against Israel. Uh, the way he is threatening Israel, even to escalate to a war regarding uh, the, the conflict in the sea about the gas, we must really take seriously that new grade of escalation in threatening, in declarations, and yet we can really be quite responsible by not really making alarm to a war. It means that he has a lot of considerations, Nasrallah, to go to the edge. Actually, what we are really facing is what is known in criminal games as a chicken game. They are driving the car, the Israelis are driving their own the Israeli car, and one of two cars must uh, go to the side of the road, other way we will have an accident. And he is really sure that again and again the Israelis will take the rational step and go to the side, and in that he's always going ahead with new escalation and yet promising himself from gliding to unnecessary war in his own terms. So actually this is a situation not only about the conflict in the sea, it is the same about the freedom of uh, Air Force to fly above Lebanon, He's really equipping himself in Hezbollah with new Iranian and Russian uh, air defense system and still keeping constraints, not really to use them without uh, absolute control. So the potential for just escalating the situation to war is existing, the rationality behind the whole decision-making, still keeping the Israeli understanding that yet we are not really just one step for a war. Indeed. Dr. Bohm's, uh, your perspective on this? Well, let's look at Lebanon and Syria, looking at some similarities and differences. Uh, both are now broken states. Syria, uh, before the war, uh, was an old-style uh, autocracy, uh, controlled by uh, one man, one family, one tribe with an iron fist. But if we are 
uh, moving forward following uh, the Arab Spring, the Syrian war, uh, and, and many other uh, events that we've discussed even in this program, uh, we're now seeing a broken country uh, with uh, a ruler that is really found at the mercy of other uh, uh, parties, uh, certainly the Iranians, but also the Russians, and in other parts uh, uh, as well with American influence, uh, Turkish influence, and more. This, uh, in a way, uh, is also a partial uh, insurance policy for Israel because uh, a mass escalation uh, in uh, Syria depends also on some of the other parties there. Uh, and it's certainly, if it's going to happen, it's not going to happen because of um, uh, President Assad, but really because of uh, uh, the other elements, and particularly the Iranian uh, and Hezbollah elements that are there, trying, as you said, to entrench them uh, uh, across the border. So really, when we're looking at the danger, we are still looking at the, the Hezbollah as the main danger, and the Syrian front as an extension of the Lebanese one. The, what's happening in Lebanon and what's happening with Hezbollah, and the reason why Nasrallah find himself uh, really inside the bunker, uh, is because in the last uh, 15 years, aside from uh, spending some time in the bunker, he's been collecting things, mainly missiles. And when you collect uh, over 130,000 missiles, and when you are making them more accurate uh, with uh, the help of your Iranian patrons, it means that uh, you are preparing uh, to what uh, General Hakohen said, you know, you're preparing to a potential strike. Uh, sure, there are many reasons why not to do it uh, uh, right now, but if there's going to be a possibility uh, for, for doing it, there's going to be circumstances, then the infrastructure is there. Which is why, of course, Israel needs to keep on working to limit these activities and making sure uh, that there's not going to be another front uh, in Syria. But I think uh, if we're looking at this conceptually, uh, the Lebanese uh, front uh, is the main one. Uh, the Syrian front is really developed as an extension of it. Uh, it is less dangerous, but it's, that's why it's important to make sure that it's not going to be more dangerous. And this is really the explanation for all the uh, activity and the intensified activity and the recent activity that we've seen uh, in the last uh, two years uh, by Israel in the Syrian front. Indeed. Mr. Ogan, well, we'll discuss also the maritime issue, which General Cohen, as well as you, have uh, highlighted. Uh, I I'd like to touch on another point, which uh, also General Cohen uh, mentioned, uh, and that is Israel's freedom of uh, aerial maneuver, uh, something that Israel has been very vigorous about. Uh, this is one of its red lines, of course, something that it uh, went as far as to establish a deconfliction mechanism with the Russians and able to ensure that its red lines with regard to Iranian entrenchments in Syria particularly, but of course also uh, transit of weaponry, sophisticated weaponry at that, uh, into Lebanon would be thwarted. Uh, do you see this as something that could also provoke miscalculation? Well, there's a difference between what uh, the Israeli Air Force uh, wants uh, to maintain over Syria and over Lebanon. Over uh, Syria, uh, Israel uh, wants uh, to have uh, the freedom uh, of attack, as you uh, referred uh, to it. But it can also attack targets uh, in Syria from the ground. It has um, enough rockets, artillery, missiles, and sometimes even tanks if the targets are uh, right across uh, the border. As, as Gershon Akoen uh, obviously remembers from his days as the uh, division uh, uh, commander there on the uh, Golan Heights. 
Above Lebanon, the problem is keeping the continuity of intelligence coverage because it is not enough to have uh, just uh, a surveillance pass once every uh, week or even uh, every uh, few days. Of course, you have satellites, but in order to keep continuous coverage, especially of uh, sensitive items and movements, you must be able uh, to... Uh, to fly above Lebanon. Of course, even if you fly above the sea, a few dozen miles uh, west of uh, uh, Lebanon, you can still uh, have uh, a good enough picture. But you want to maintain it uh, uh, the way uh, air forces uh, always do. Now, regarding miscalculation, the problem uh, stems from Nasrallah's propensity to miscalculate, for which he already recanted or apologized uh, about 2006. Um, Nasrallah is a very, very avid watcher of what is happening in Israel, a follower of the uh, Israeli media. And by the way, um, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Palestinian organizations in general, um, rely a lot on open source intelligence, what is called OSINT. They follow the Israeli media and try to decipher the intentions of the Israeli leadership from it. What he has seen recently in Operation Breaking Dawn against the Palestinian Islamic Jihad must make him realize that, for instance, the modus operandi of Defense Minister Benny Gantz, first when he was chief of staff uh, 10 years ago um, during Operation Pillar of Defense, in Gaza, and now again in Gaza, in uh, Operation Breaking Dawn, is starting the operation with what is called in professional circles, decapitation, or targeted killing of leaders. In Gaza, it was the chief of staff of Hamas, Ahmed Jabri, and now it was another Jabri, the um, brigade commander in the north of Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and Nasrallah must understand that he is going to be the first and prime target when an Israeli operation comes. So this will give him another reason to be very, very cautious. His own life is at stake. It is not only the organization or the nation of Lebanon or what his Iranian masters will tell him if he, must, if he miscalculates. So uh, this should uh, make him uh, think twice before he does anything stupid. Maybe reconstruct the bunker into uh, more subterranean elements. <laughs> uh, General Akuen, I'd like also to hear your take on this, on the aerial element of uh, this uh, calculus. And to what degree do you see this? You established a metaphor of the criminal uh, vehicular exercise of chicken. Uh, is there a point in which uh, the inevitable collision of this metaphor yes. would come about? Yes, uh, uh, of course, uh, the last operation can uh, really exemplify the fact that something is changing in the, in the Israeli leadership, even uh, regarding the new prime minister, Yari Lapid. In a time of emergency, he can take decisions to enter into a new uh, engagement like the decision in the last uh, operation. And this decision-making in itself is an alarm to Nasrallah that something 
is going differently in the Israeli decision making at the high level, in the political level, at the political level. Uh, much more than that, actually, Nasrallah will make every effort to promise himself not to find uh, all his troops in a new engagement without control, but he is always improving his position. In the border, they are really building now new positions with a permanent presence, what was not allowed to them in the last uh, UN resolution 1701 that really declared demilitarization of South Lebanon and step by step, and now they are doing that uh, permanently uh, without trying uh, to do that at dark uh, night. They are doing that in, in open to every observation. So this is another step to change the situation, the environmental uh, uh, operational uh, readiness of all his troops. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Bombs, I'd like to hear uh, your take on this, but also from uh, the initiator's perspective as Israel uh, executed the uh, breaking dawn operation in quite uh, the determined um, application, but on the same time, it was also quite vigorous in executing all of its goals within that operation as quickly as possible and devastated uh, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, another Iranian extension, of course, uh, from the Palestinian angle. Is this once again uh, echoing some remnants uh, uh, from the Six-Day War, which was, of course, initiated at the time by Israel and uh, ultimately concluded in resounding um, uh, victory, something that resonates at this stage within uh, the uh, powerhouses of Israel's enemies? Well, I would say I hope so, and, and perhaps another reference to it, uh, when Israel was established, actually, before so, uh, we, we used to have something uh, uh, that was called uh, a tower and a wall, uh, where the early pioneers uh, needed to put a new community that was legal when it has a tower and a, and a wall around it. They did it in a uh, at the height of the night and put some facts on the ground. It's important sometimes to put some facts uh, on the ground and in some ways what we've seen in the Syrian border is the exact same exercise. We have the status quo uh, that somebody needs to uh, define and that uh, status quo is being challenged uh, by, for example, uh, Hezbollah or Iran-related proxies that are joining the Syrian army, Syrian military directly or indirectly and find themselves all of a sudden in a position right next to the Israeli border, changing the infrastructure. Um, Israel decided that it's not going to uh, let this happen. And uh, in the last uh, few months, uh, we have seen another change of policy uh, and a more assertive uh, approach uh, when it comes to the Syrian border. And we have seen this also uh, in the war between uh, the wars with a, a very clear objective not uh, uh, to allow a type of entrenchment uh, of Iranian forces uh, within uh, Syria and then uh, not to allow uh, this uh, 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 failed state uh, scenario to strengthen uh, the axis uh, of, of Hezbollah and the Iranian involvement over there. 
uh, I hope that what we've seen now uh, is another phase of it, in where despite of uh, changing leadership, elections uh, that otherwise could be interpreted as a sign of weakness, nobody's paying attention, we can do what we need to do. On the other side, Israel is saying, no, we're paying attention, we're watching, and we are going to respond. So better yet, not try to surprise us, because we are going to respond a little bit differently than what you thought. This still does not mean that there is no danger, uh, because again, the difference uh, between uh, a collection of missiles and a collection of stamps uh, uh, can be a very serious one. If you take the stamps to an exhibition, uh, you may enjoy them. If you take the missiles into exhibition, uh, uh, you start uh, a war in where you would not know how it will end. This is why uh, Israel needs to do uh, uh, a lot in order to make sure that it will keep its deterrence, that it's not going to compromise uh, when uh, either Hezbollah or another proxy is trying to challenge it. And this assertiveness that we've seen, including in Gaza, is a clear indication that Israel uh, is not willing to change the status quo uh, uh, so quickly. Responding to facts on the ground rather than uh, to the actions of the enemy, is that something that we can expect also for Syria particularly? Well, Defense Minister Gantz, in uh, summing up Operation Breaking Dawn, had a very interesting comment intended for all fronts. The Syrian one, the Iranian one, the Lebanese one, the uh, Gaza front. And From Khan Yunus until Tehran. Indeed. And he said that um, if the need arises, Israel will not hesitate to undertake a preventive war. Now, um, he used um, a very oblique or opaque uh, term because uh, he could have meant uh, trying to um, uh, hit uh, Iran or uh, another target when they are um, trying to uh, have a nuclear weapon or another sort of force buildup, or he could have meant preempting when Israel knows that the other side is about to launch an attack against it. But if you take uh, this declaration along with another very interesting comment by Major General Herzia Levy, the uh, deputy chief of staff, who said uh, a few years ago, when he was in charge of uh, a team of Israeli officers um, trying to understand how to better defend the northern border, especially the Lebanese border, of which he was the divisional commander a few years ago, what General Halevi said was that if Israel knows that there are attack forces by Hezbollah ready to penetrate, uh, Israel should not wait until they actually do it, but should preempt, for instance, the so-called Radwan forces, the elite Hezbollah forces, if they are on their launching pad or inside tunnels if they manage to dig them, Israel should do it. To sum it up, preemption can be done on both the strategic and operational levels. Uh, now, the um, uh, generals on Israel's side may recommend hitting Radwan forces first, rather than Nasrallah in Beirut, or a mixture of both. So the enemy should very, very seriously consider Israel's ability and propensity to preempt. General Akoyan, one of the key uh, ingredients within democratic societies is political will, uh, considering the political instability, if you may, uh, in Jerusalem. Is there a lack of political will to uh, bring about uh, the determination that is necessary in order to defeat uh, uh, 
enemy that uh, seeks to uh, find schemes and, and other uh, operational capabilities within the mixture of such a reality? Exactly. That's what I tried to describe before. Actually, what was really clear in the last operation is the fact that uh, even though the, there is a clear political instability in Israel regarding the willingness of leaders to take severe decisions to go to an operation, we can succeed to present a kind of unity. And this is a great indication that Nasrallah, of course, taking seriously. And uh, I'm sure that it was part of uh, factors that have been considered by Hamas not to enter in the last operation to the game. So Israeli really is something very bewildering. In one side, it is uh, with a lot of weakness, political instability on the other side, due to that weaknesses, there is a, an emerging of a cohesion to take hard decisions. If I may interject, Jonathan, one sentence. the, the uh, entrance uh, into politics of former uh, Lieutenant General Gadi Eisenkot recently, and he is obviously going to be in the inner circle. A great military of, thinker, if I may. Decision makers. Indeed. This will make uh, quite a contribution to the Israeli decision-making process. Dr. Bohm's uh, closing sentence from you, if you will, about 30 seconds. There are many divisions in Israel, but I don't think there is a division uh, that Israel needs to do what it needs to do, and it needs to be assertive as it needs to be in order to uh, tackle this uh, threat. Uh, Hezbollah uh, and, and Iran are, uh, have spent the last uh, 40 years or more uh, with a very clear goal in mind, uh, if they could have achieved uh, uh, that goal of uh, uh, trying to weaken Israel significantly or even more so, trying to eliminate it uh, as the vision is, uh, they would have done that. Uh, and I'm glad that what we're seeing, uh, even within the period of uh, transition, uh, is a more assertive uh, line. And I believe that uh, that's what they will see also in the foreseeable future. Indeed, sands are shifting. Nevertheless, the calculus uh, uh, is also Indeed. taking its root. Uh, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank General Hakoen, Dr. Bohms, and Mr. Oren for being part of today's uh, panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. And until then, shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.